0: Well, welcome back to another episode of the Dream, Create, Enjoy podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Drew Thurman, and I've actually got a couple of people here with me this time. First, Jace. Yep, I'm here again. Yeah, yeah, looking lovely. What, by the way, why isn't your candle burning in the background?
1: Sorry, I forgot. I'll do that right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is a holy space, you know, so I really feel like it's not complete until your candle's lit. So yeah, could you get the yeah i thank you for the lighter next to the mic we really appreciate it yeah that. i was just you know getting the full effect <laughs> what's what's the scent uh hunter hunter birch oak moss
1: wood smoke yeah it's a manly scent <laughs> i like i like mandals. so Mandel- that's a fun fact about me
0: <laughs> i've never heard
1: that term before in my life. Man-, man candles mandals. <laughs> And I,
0: yeah, yes, we'll move on from that. And then uh, we're also joined for the very first time by Jacob Vangen, who is jumping on our team. Pretty excited about it. Uh, Jacob, man, why don't you introduce yourself? Give us a little bit of background information.
2: Yeah. Hey, guys. So I'm Jacob, like Drew said, joining the Renaissance team, which I'm really excited about. And yeah, so I'm, I'm coming up to Waltham from Providence, Rhode Island. And, uh, I'll be, uh, helping, helping out the team. And, uh, I know you guys are going to ask me some fun facts, so I don't want to give anything away, but, uh, I'm married to Jordan and, uh, we have no kids yet, except our chocolate lab, Jackson love to hike, read all kinds of stuff. So you'll get to know me.
0: Well, that's awesome. Yes. He is jumping on, uh, going to be doing a lot of like spiritual formation and equipping, uh, creating great resources, lots of things from a hub level for all of our microchurch leaders and and folks that that want to take part in in our microchurches. So we're we're pretty excited about it. So. And his
1: wife Jordan is going to help us launch Common Good Co, our coffee co-working space. So we're excited about that as well.
0: Yes, yes. We we originally thought we were hiring Jacob, but I'm now convinced we're hiring Jordan, and Jacob's just along for the ride.
2: <laughs> I fully believe that.
0: <laughs> so well, yes, like you said, you kind of uh, previewed it. After our break, uh, after the intro, we're going to get to get to know you a little bit better and pepper you with a lot of questions, which is one of our traditions. But before we get there, yes, let's just go ahead. Cue the intro. welcome to the Dream, Create, Enjoy podcast. This podcast is an extension of Renaissance. We're a new grassroots church movement getting off the ground in the Boston metro area with a humble vision to empower everyday people, dreamers, creators, and enjoyers of life to showcase the beauty of Christ in our city. Every episode, we'll talk about themes related to that vision and what it means to be the church in our unique cultural moment. To find out more about us, head to wearenaissance.org. In the meantime, we're glad you're tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Well, yes. Uh, Welcome back. Just as we said, we are going to get to know Jacob a little bit better, which is exciting. One of our traditions on the podcast is we always just throw 10 rapid fire questions at any new voice that appears on the show. So, we're going to get a chance to do this jace and i will take turns jace do you want to kick us off or do you want
1: me to uh i'll go first okay uh we'll start with an easy one when you're not working what do you like to do in your free time how do you like to spend your time
2: oh that is an easy one uh i like to read i like to hike uh, i like to play disc golf which jace is also a disc yeah. golf connoisseur uh <laughs> And uh, I like to explore new places, good coffee shops, good food.
0: Great. Well, my question is kind of builds on that. You've been in New England now for a little while, longer than Jace or I. So favorite place you've been in New England? Mm
2: -hmm. Like restaurant or like city?
0: I would say probably geographical location.
2: I'm a sucker for Vermont. I just love Vermont. Like getting out in those mountains and in the cool city of Burlington. And I'm a big skier, so I love going up north, which is kind of nice. I'm not a water guy, so moving up closer to the mountains gets me pretty excited. Nice.
1: Next question. What is your most used emoji? So when you're texting or whatever, what what emoji do you use a lot? (laughs) That's a good one.
2: That's such a great one. I don't even know what to call it, but like the OK symbol where it's like got the the circle and the like three fingers up and it's like, yep, we're good uh and I, I do that a lot so i don't have to type words nice
0: nice i actually make a sound effect every time i like send that like like yep good to go <laughs> Yeah, exactly <laughs> uh here's one if you could uh have lunch with any historical figure no jesusy and like don't say jesus yeah. that's too yeah. sunday schooly. but if you could have uh lunch with any historical figure who would it be
2: i think this is so hard man there's so many good options i think that i would have lunch with probably (laughs) nelson mandela
0: that's a good one
2: yeah just like to understand apartheid understand like he lived in a cell for like so many years by himself, and how that was so transformative, and like kind of the work he's doing with truth and reconciliation. So there's so many options, but Nelson Mandela would be really great. Like it.
1: All right, if you if your life was a movie, who would you cast to play yourself?
2: <laughs> uh, so, uh, a lot of people say that when I was younger, I looked exactly like Macaulay Culkin uh, from Home uh, <laughs> yeah. Alone. So. I think, I don't know exactly what he looks like now, but I think I would have to go with with. I character. can see it.
1: I can see yeah. it. Yeah. Do that. Yeah.
0: He's he's definitely gone downhill. He looks a little bit like he lived on the streets for a few years. But... Yeah.
2: So just <laughs> as a child.
0: Yeah. 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 Maybe yeah. if he
2: just cleaned up a little bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. What animal best represents you and why?
2: So... I'm trying to think from the Enneagram what my animal is. We talked about this as a team. I think um, I would have to go with like um, like an owl or something like that, just because I, I can't turn my head all the way around. That'd be really weird. But <laughs> I, I do like to think that I value good wisdom and uh, can see things from different perspectives. So I'll, I'll go with that.
1: Nice. That's good. What's something about you that surprises people when they find it out? So something that's, you know, beneath the surface. Um,
2: one cool fact I lived uh, in Jerusalem for a summer, got to do um, some work, work over there, which was really great. Um, so that's like a cool life fact. Um, and uh, besides that, um, I love, um a good video game. I feel like I like have this like very put together life, but man, just love a good video (laughs) game. There you go. Nice.
0: Uh, If you could uh, master one skill, what would it be? One new skill, maybe something you don't, yeah, obviously already have.
2: So I've always wanted to speak Norwegian because that's my like heritage. So like, if I could like just learn Norwegian and then go to Norway and hang out, that'd be awesome.
0: That's cool.
1: Um, Drew took mine. So my next one is if it's a playoff of that, but what would be a job that you would be terrible at?
2: Anything to do with my hands, unless it's like typing on a computer. So like, you know, uh, building out common good co or like construction, my dad's a contractor and he just longed for the day where I could build things and it just never happened. So anything (laughs) to do with my hands, no go.
0: Well, I think this is the last one, if I'm not mistaken. So this is number 10. So I'll throw you an underhand softball pitch, one that I know you'll be excited about. Uh, you love spiritual formation. What's a book you think everyone needs to read that's going to help them be spiritually
1: formed? It's mm, a good one.
2: Yeah, I think a great one to start out is Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro. And uh, we might be forming a cohort that actually goes through that book. And uh, it basically ties our emotional health to our spiritual health. And so many things that happen in our lives, I think is because in our family of origins and our homes, we were never taught these things. And I think one of the things Jesus wants to do is to transform us from the inside out. So emotionally healthy spirituality by Pete Scazzaro. Great book. Nice.
1: All right. So, uh, thank you, Jacob. And we'll continue to get to know him. Um, I'm assuming all three of us will be on the podcast. I'm sure there will be times where it's just two of us, but you'll be hearing more from Jacob uh, as we go along. And so we're going to continue back. Uh, we are going through, this is season two. We are going through our, what we call our essentials at Renaissance. Um, and so we're about halfway through that. I think we're on number six now, if, I, if I'm correct. And so this is kind of our manifesto. So we've talked about uh, deep, we how we value dependency, drawing close to God. Uh, we value belonging, creating a culture of belonging. Uh, we value unity. Um, we value authenticity rather than uh, facades. And then last, last week or a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how we value practice over theory and living out Jesus' teachings. And today we are talking about empowerment. And so the, the, the quote that goes with this, the, the sentence from our essentials is we value empowerment creating a culture where everyone's diverse giftings matter rather than a hierarchy where people are called to uniformity. So that's what we're unpacking this week. And so I'll toss it off to one of you guys, but unpack briefly, explain, someone explain the difference for me between unity and uniformity.
0: Whew, yeah, I mean, I'm sure someone can give a better definition than I can. So maybe this is Jacob's chance to just shine right off the bat. But no, I, uh, when I think of unity and uniformity, I think uh, the differences is like unity is that we have a common bond. Uh, you know, we're heading in the same direction after the same things, uniformity of saying, we're not only doing that, but everyone has to look the exact same in doing so has to take the exact, you know, um, and I think, you uh, even building on that with this, this episode, I mean, we've, this is a theme if you've not gone back and listened to previous episodes of this podcast, I would really encourage you. Cause this theme's come up a lot over and over again. We're both yeah. very passionate about it, but I think, um, for us in the church world, and I think we'll probably unpack this a little bit more here in the next coming couple of minutes is that, um, that in so many cases, uh, the church literally has a centralized mission. So they have one thing that they say that they're about that typically has been decided by a few like paid clergy. And uh, everybody else is playing a supporting role in that thing. And so if you don't fit the preconceived like roles that they've like assigned to help accomplish that centralized thing. Um, it's really hard to fit in and be a part of what's going on. And so I think that's a little bit of what we're saying. What happens when we flip the script and we say, how do we decentralize missions, so to speak? Everyone's able to articulate their own missional call. And uh, that way uh, there's this beautiful like unity and diversity where people are able to bring Jesus to so many different uh, spheres of life and are able to participate using their own gifts and calls. So anyways, I'm sure Jacob can expand on that, but um, that was the first thing that kind of came to mind.
2: Yeah, I think that's great, Drew. And you know, when I think about unity and uniformity, I think about like in uniformity, it's very hard for us to celebrate the gifts and others. So we expect people to be like us, to look like us, to do what we do. And in unity, we can look at other people's gifts, the way people are wired up, the things that people do, and we can celebrate that and let them be them, rather than judge them, rather than be critical, rather than try to force them to be like us. And, you know, I think, at least for me, I can find myself being very egocentric and like, oh, they should do this. And we, we should on other people. And when we should on other people, it's usually not a good thing. I think uh, unity allows us to let people be people. And then that actually is what what we need, which I know we'll get to in a little bit, but yeah, that, that unity really helps celebrate the diversity and we don't expect everyone to be like us.
1: Yeah. And when we talk about, that's a great point. When we talk about empowerment, creating culture, everyone's diverse giftings matter rather than a hierarchy where people are called to uniformity. Really, you know, like Drew said, this is it's really the priesthood of all believers, right? We've said this before in multiple podcasts. That's why you said to go back and listen to it, but that's the the concept that we all have something to give. We all have something to offer. And a lot of times, um, you know, one of the problems that I think, and I'll I'll give an example, because this is personal for me, but is what, like Drew was saying, you expect people to conform to your identity, right? So I was working in a, I was working for Young Life, which I've shared before. And so I was spending a significant amount of my week with high schoolers and doing ministry with high school students and leading high schoolers and middle schoolers. And at the same time I was going to church on Sundays and it was almost like it, it wasn't like explicitly said, but it was almost implicitly applied. Like I wasn't doing anything to serve the church. I—I—I w- I w I didn't feel empowered that what I was doing was ministry for the church. What I felt like was I needed to be a server or a greeter or, or serve the institution, the hierarchy fit in line with what they were doing rather than, you know, no one ever came up and said, Hey, what you're doing is great. You're doing exactly what we want you to be doing for the kingdom. It was, Hey, what, what can you do to help us? And I think that that's, that's getting at what we're talking about here with empowering people to live into how God created them, um, to find unity, to, to all come together when we all use our gifts rather than just a few. Um, it's really, you know, life-changing for everybody.
0: No, I think that's awesome, and I think we we should give the caveat um, even right now before we go any further in this episode. We are not advocating for anarchy. We're not, you know, advocating for uh, no structure or anything like that. Uh, I love Dan White Jr. talks about this. That often when we start pushing back on hierarchy, we move towards flat leadership um, or just like you know where everybody does whatever they want to do. And no one's in, no one really has uh, any control. No one really has any uh, leadership or say, we're not advocating for that. We we like to use the term polycentric leadership, um, I think is a really great, there's many centers instead of just one. And I think that's what we're, we're saying, like the New Testament, we're going to talk about the good part of this in a minute, but the New Testament talks so often about how God is gifted and called each and every one of us. And, um, He's done that beautifully because he's wanting us to join his kingdom work that he's doing the story that he's telling, knowing that we each play an integral role of connecting with people and, um, and caring for people in unique ways that not everybody can do. And I think sometimes uh, institutionalism has really swept the church, that we've literally taken this, this beautiful mosaic uh, this kaleidoscope of all these different unique gifts and talents. And we've literally limited it to a handful and said, if you don't fit into one of these roles, you kind of just need to sit and watch the rest of us. Uh, uh, or, you know, again, you can, you can be the, the parking lot attendant or you can hand out a bulletin, but that's about as far as it's going to go um, because you're, you're just not going to move beyond that. And I think it's part of the reason that the church is continuing to stunt its own influence. We're doing it to ourselves. We're shooting ourselves in the foot because we're actually limiting how many people actually get to partake in this beautiful calling that God's
1: given us. And you bring up a good point that this is this is not a church specific thing. I think every single organization that has a hierarchy of some form deals with the things and the problems that we're talking about. How do you empower people to get the most out of everyone? And I think the biblical example, which we're going to talk about soon is this idea that you were just mentioning, Drew, it's this mutual edification. It's, it's you teach me, I teach you. We all have different areas in which we're teaching each other and mutually edifying each other, as opposed to just one person, always being, in that role that looks the certain way that has the certain gifts, it's how can we each learn from everyone else? And, you know, iron sharpens iron, you know, man sharpens man. How can that happen that we can empower everyone to share their gifts, you know, not only utilize theirs, but share and help others grow in theirs, you know, specific giftings as well.
2: Yeah. And I think that's really important because when you elevate certain gifts above another, you elevate people above each other. And that becomes a problem. So like the gift of communication those people can literally become elevated above other people just because they're good in that gift. Whereas we see in scripture, the gift of serving other people or the gift of being able to encourage other people or hospitality, those things are just as important as the gift of being able to structure things or lead things or communicate things. And I'm not saying those things aren't good. I'm just saying that they're important and just as important as those. And then what happens is you elevate people become elevated because of the certain gifts they have and not the holistic view, not the character. And that becomes very problematic. And so the church thrives at its best when everybody's gifting matters and that we're able to see that it's not about the hierarchy, not about one person on stage or not because you went to a certain school. And I mean, that's how society functions is that they are uh, a series of little circles and each little circle runs in its own uh, sphere, such as people have this interest or this gifting. What the church can do is pull out of those little circles and really be encompassing of everybody with all their gifts. And I think that's really beautiful.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's, yeah, so good. And I think even you know, Jace, what you were just hinting at. Yeah. I think this is, it is, it is a cultural problem. And I hear people say, like, I think I hear church leaders sometimes give pushback on this. They're scared. The idea of like, what happens when we empower and we lose a little bit of control and let people color outside the lines and that we can talk a little bit about that in in the next segment. But, um, I actually think, The cultural shift that's taking place right now, I think I've mentioned in a previous podcast, great book, Everyone Should Read New Power by Tims and Hymans that talk about this, that we're seeing this flattening out of structures all across, um, you know, we're seeing more decentralization. And it is scary in some regards, but I actually think it's a great thing for the church because we're actually going to be able to reclaim an identity that we really have been living in from the very beginning that we are, and I love that, you know, kind of a a diverse family of giftings, uh, of different, uh, of different things that we're talented at, uh, that we are edifying each other and are used for missional purposes, that we're able to actually seek the good of where we live and bring justice and mercy and love in unique ways through the, the gifts of that we. That's actually a great thing for us that we're actually seeing uh, decentralization take place. And so rather than be scared, it's rather us uh, just reclaiming our ancient identity again and saying, hey, Welcome to something that we brought to the world. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, so, so that's, the, that's the problem. That's the, what we're going to be talking about in our next session. So we've, we've set it up. We've broken down uh, of why we feel like we should be creating um, a culture where everyone's diverse giftings matter. And so in the next section, we're going to talk about uh, what that looks like and how we can do that effectively uh, with the church.
0: and we're back and just as jace alluded to we are now going to be turning our focus from talking about the problem of uniformity and a lack of empowerment to what happens when the church actually gets this right and we see diverse giftings happen in fact i I just recently stumbled upon um a blog post from a guy named steve morrell who's written a number of books on this i think uh think in Southeast Asia, he's been a part of a multiplying church that's that's planted some like 60 churches. Um, And so he's a big believer in empowerment. And he actually talks about that empowerment is one of the core messages of the book of Acts. So we're not just making this up in 2021. Uh, This is something that we see uh, really from the pages of scripture and the inception of the church. And he actually lists like nine different things. I'm just going to run through these real quick. Um, hopefully just bringing some validity to some of what we're saying, but he says the Holy spirit empowers believers to be his witnesses. Starting even in acts one, eight, we see an empowerment taking place. Uh, number two, the, rather than doing all the ministry themselves, the apostles empowered others starting in Acts six, we see them talking about the, um, you know, neglecting certain ministries and how they could hand those things over. Uh, the empowered churches actually grew starting in Acts 6 and verse 7. We see this, that as God's word spread, the number of disciples increased rapidly um, and pretty incredible. Uh, four, that, persecution actually could not stop an empowered church. Um, We actually see in Acts 8.1 on this this great persecution that breaks out, um, and there was the scattering of people all throughout Judea and Samaria who were all uh, bringing the good news there, which is actually his fifth point. Just a few verses later, empowered people minister as they go, and they minister wherever they go. In Acts 8.4, we see that the scattered preached the word wherever they went. Uh, I think that's one of the remarkable things. Most, we, we, Acts focuses a lot on the Apostle Paul, but really, we see most of the gospel spreading through unnamed people, uh, through uh, people living in utter obscurity, uh, just being faithful wherever God sent them. Six, empowered people become leaders of people. Uh, We see actually Philip starting in Acts 8.5 going and and, uh, being a part of, of seeing good news happen uh empowered people preach the good news even when they're not apostles or or pastors uh, acts 11 19 uh we see steve uh, you know see um people going in connection to what Stephen's persecution and going all over uh the known world at the time and being the hands and feet pretty remarkable uh we see, uh, eight, uh, Barnabas empowered a new believer named Saul when no one else believed in him, uh, acts 11 and verse 25, Barnabas actually takes, uh, Saul then who becomes Paul and helps him, uh, really, you know, brings validity to his ministry and said, I don't care what anyone thinks about his past, this dude deserves a chance to do ministry too. Um, And then uh, lastly, that uh, in, you know, that an empowered culture will always have people who are ministering and preaching who really don't understand uh, fully theology. Uh, I actually tweeted about this recently, Acts 18, verse 24, we see Apollos actually proclaiming uh, about the Lord before he even had a full understanding of Jesus, and actually has to be uh, has to actually get enlightened. And I always have people say, well, how how do you make sure when you decentralize or when you empower people and do microchurches, how do you make sure they're preaching sound doctrine? And I say, well, we're, (laughs) we're doing the best we can. But we realize God uses people before they have perfect doctrine and theology. So anyways, I thought that was a great list of some things that happen in the book of acts from uh again steve morrell so i would be interested from your guys's perspective we just talked before the break about how we're really reclaiming our our ancient identity as the church this is proof of that why is this so important like what does it begin to look like from a positive standpoint when we begin to empower people what does it look like to kind of reclaim that identity today
1: yeah, I can, I'll, I can go first. Uh, uh, I think of Ephesians 4, uh, and I'll just read that real quick. But, you know, it says that Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Um, and I, you know, it goes through the apostles, prophets, evangelists, t- pastors, teachers, you know, there's, there's different giftings. Um, and so that we can be built up, reach unity in faith and become mature, attain the full measure of Christ. And I think so often today we're missing out on that full measure of Christ because we have such a narrow view or like Jacob was saying before the break, it's, we elevate certain ones of those gifts, rather than realizing that there is a wholeness, you know, we don't view Jesus very holistically. A lot of times we like to put a a certain brush on him, uh, in certain senses, but all those different giftings, when we realize that that's the fullness of Christ, we're not going to reach full maturity, uh, to really attain all that knowledge become, you know, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ until we're utilizing everyone's giftings and really empowering everyone uh, that their gift is just as important as the next person. That's when we see the full body come together, right? We talked about that before this disembodied experience. We we have this disembodied faith because we're not utilizing all the parts of the body. And I think this is a great way. And this is just a reminder of me of like, this is the reason we do this is so that the body of Christ may be built up so that we can reach unity in the faith, that we can become mature. And we miss out on that if we just put this in the hands of a few people or only people that have this gifting we miss out on something like that, right? Like I am not musical or artistic at all, but I super appreciate those people because that they're showing me a side of life that is not natural to me. And I would be missing out on something. And I offer something very different. You know, I'm a math and finance major. Like that's that's a very different than the art world, but it's when, and those are, I know this isn't spiritual, but it's when we bring all of our gifts together that we see that full measure of Christ. And so that would be, um, the thing I think of when I think of empowerment is that we're, the goal is to realize that full measure of Christ. And I think we're, we miss that so often, or we settle for a lesser version. Maybe that's a better way of putting it is that we settle for a lesser version. We don't really reach that full measure.
2: Yeah, that's really good, Jace. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot to go here and what we could talk about. I mean, even, I think that word spiritual, we think oftentimes it means otherworldly. Actually, when you read down scripture, it actually means like holistic like mind, body, soul. It's like mental, emotional. And so it's it's all of us. And so that's those spiritual gifts does not mean that it's just the gifts that are um otherworldly, but it's the gifts that help all of us experience life to the full life at its best. And so you know a spiritual gift is math and finances. A spiritual gift is these other things maybe we don't think of as spiritual gifts, but then They're all all of us together helping create that community where we all need each other. I mean, I think about there's so many examples of especially uh, when we lived in a less individualistic culture about how important it is um, that everybody contributes to the community because we know that if not everybody's contributing, something's going to be missing. I think about that analogy from Paul that um, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Because we all need each other in some way. And so even I think about as I'm joining the Renaissance team, uh, all three of us are unique in some way. And the reason why I was brought on the team is because I'm bringing something that uh, is is unique between the two of you. And that's what we want to do with every microchurch, every microchurch leader. Each one's going to look different because um, they all bring something to the whole collective network, which is really good and what we want to see.
0: No, that's so good. And and to really, yeah, build on both of your thoughts and even Jace, I think one of the things even to not be missed uh, there in Ephesians 4 two, is the fact that some of the gifts, you know, some of these gifts that we make a big deal of, we call them the apest, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, are there so that people can be equipped to do the works of ministry, he, they, like literally the Apostle Paul saying, uh, this this literally is beating down the idea of paternalism, that you know, a few people have all the power and get to you know kind of limit the liberty and autonomy of everybody else. He's literally saying, your whole role is to raise up others so that they can do the work of ministry. You're you're a servant. You're not. You're less of a like build everything around you being centralized to being awesome and I think it's unfortunately the opposite way that we think of of the church we centralize around those those things in particular shepherds and teachers and have everything else serve those things rather than it, them serving so that everyone else can go and be the church I, I really love um you know, there's, there's a book I read a number of years ago from uh, Ori Brofman called The Starfish and the Spider. Some of the, some Forge guys, actually, some uh, that do some similar things that we do. Uh, Lance Ford, Alan Hirsch, Rob Wagner have actually just released a, a spin on that book called The Starfish and the Spirit. But they, uh, it's, the whole idea is that um, kind of the way that, that I would say that what we're advocating against, they kind of say is like spider leadership uh, that you, you, you know, the starfish and a spider look very similar, but you pluck the legs off or, you know, take the head off of a spider and it's dead, um, bites you. <laughs> it's not very, not, not very, very positive experience, but if you cut a starfish into five pieces, you have five new starfish. Uh, you know, I think, um, Sailors once learned that they were trying to actually uh, diminish the starfish population and were actually making it explode. But that's, isn't that what the Apostle Paul is describing for us in, in Ephesians 4? That we are, in essence, the ones that kind of Uh, If if we're doing leadership right, we should be reproducing and allowing people to thrive and to go and be the church, be the fullness of Christ. We're not the fullness of Christ because we've literally said, oh, a couple of people have got this, have got all the skills, have got all the talents, uh, have got all the wisdom, and everyone else needs to serve them. And I think we need need to flip it. Well, I'd be interested. I mentioned the word paternalism. What do you guys, I think... I don't know about you, but living here in the city, people, I hear that word thrown out a lot. This whole idea of like, man, the church and our culture is viewed this way as this very like centralized, high control, limiting people. I I don't think people come to the church and think the church is going to help me flourish or make me the best version of myself. Uh, Here would be my thought. If the church gets better at empowering, how does that change the narrative in your mind?
2: Yeah, I think that it changes the narrative because it becomes about um, the people and it really becomes about a community of self-giving love, which is the whole point of the church, right? We want to give away love. We want people to experience life. And so often when people come to the church, the first question they ask is, who's the pastor? And I think that just reveals a lot about people's view of church and what that looks like. And I love uh, in the book, Untamed, Alan Hirsch wrote in a few others, they say, one of the biggest shifts needed is to deprofessionalize the ministry clergy class and give ministry back to the people of God. So like, what if one of the questions we asked is uh, who are the people of your church or what is your church doing for the community or how diverse is your church? And I think that would a lot better represent what we actually want the church to be, because no matter who makes up your church, we want each person in that to like be able to contribute men women racial diversity, different giftings, different uh, socioeconomic classes where like every single person can be empowered. And so often the church has just gotten this wrong, whether it's through race, through class, through um, different lenses we put on and think that some people can contribute more, some people can contribute less. So I think if everyone can really be empowered and and not be about that person, but we can say what can each person contribute so that we can all uh, experience love and give away love. That'd be great.
0: You mean we're not going to call you Pastor Jacob? I was going to, we actually had already, already ordered your pin that you were going to wear <laughs> around every
2: day. So. Well, that's one of the things I love. Is like, <laughs> I'm not going to be called, so I was a youth pastor. I'm not going to be called pastor. We're not called pastors. I'm a pastor because I'm going to be a church leader. I'm not going to be a pastor because I work for Renaissance because every church leader will be in, in essence, a pastor, which is exactly what we want.
1: Right. I, I have two thoughts. One is, you know, it's, it's really, you know, everything that we were talking about is really the example of Jesus, right? What Jesus, this was one of his greatest things, right? We There's leadership books about how he's a servant leader and he's empowering others and giving, elevating others, right? He's, he's saying, go do it. He's, you know, I believe in you. He sends them out to go do things when they don't think they can do it themselves. And I think that that's the, that's so different than a lot of times where, you know, like, like Jacob was saying, you come into a church and there's the, who's the pastor and there's this, you know, there's just, we're just looking around for someone else to do it. And that's the other thought that I have is just, when I think about empowerment, I think about ownership, you know, and it's, it's this idea of no, this is my part to play. It's that I'm taking ownership of this. And I think when there's someone else that'll do it, it's too easy to just say, oh, that's that's the pastor's job and I don't have to do anything. Where it's almost as if you remove that person and we say, hey, you know, like we talked about this polycentric or distributive leadership, it's almost like saying, well, if I don't do my part, the church is suffering, right? There's, it's not going to be as whole. And that's, I think that that's when I think about when we, what it could look like is that's what it could look like. It's, it's everyone feeling ownership over, our church community, because if I don't fulfill my role, then the church community is less than it is because we're not relying on one person to do everything. It, it really is. I know that so-and-so is going to bring the laughs and so-and-so is going to bring the like loving and nurturing and so-and-so is going to yeah. you know, bring the wisdom and the teaching. And, and if one of those parts isn't there, I'm missing out on something. And I think, I think it's this ownership that we have uh, that we have to combat in today's society is we just want someone else to do it for us. And right now that's the pastor or the person on stage. And it's too easy to just default to that instead of really tapping in, uh, being empowered and feeling ownership over the ministry.
0: Man, that's so good. And right as you were saying that too, I, I was thinking one of my favorite writers is a guy by the name of Wendell Berry. And some of the stuff he talks, uh, he's been very combative against the commercialization um, and the industrialization of farming. Uh, and he actually, one of the arguments he makes is that part of us is literally being taken away because we're not actually getting our hands in the dirt. We're no longer connected to uh, the earth in a very real way, and it's, it's stripping a part of what we were designed for, God created us for. And I think it's the kind of the same thing. When we take people away from being used by God, that Ephesians 2, 9 and 10 that God has has not only saved us from something, but for something, and that He has He's inviting us into the story. He has had good works planned for us long ago. We lose a part of who we are. Uh, we lose part of this beautiful existence that God has created us for. And so again, if if we're wanting this to be something i think sometimes in our churches we've almost industrialized the church and it's like how can we pump out uh being like soul winning factories rather than saying you know what like if we if the uh, ends doesn't necessarily justify the means and maybe in doing so we're actually stunting people Uh, from the ability to do all these beautiful things and this ability to experience mutuality, like you're saying, where we have all these wonderful things where everyone gets to participate and not a few. Well, we're running out of time. I'd be interested, practically speaking, you guys have any stories of this working? Like, what do we think about this in our micro churches? How do we not just critique how do we be a fuller embodiment of this as we're uh, hopefully empowering leaders through our micro churches to live into this and for them to empower the folks in their micro churches?
1: I would just say I think I think this is twofold. If you are a leader, I think it's different than if you are someone who is a participant typically. I think if you're a leader, you have a, a greater responsibility to empower others is to you know to not just, even if you have the best answers and you are the best communicator, if you are the best teacher, like, Ask someone else that you see something in, empower them, that you see, you know, recognize a God's gift in other people. I think that's one of the best practices that we can start to learn is, is, is to start to identify in other people. Hey, you, you seem to have a knack for this, whether you realize it or not, you might not believe this yet, but I see this in you. That's one of the most powerful things that you can tell someone else is, is I think you could be really great at this. I think you should try this. So I, th- I would say that from a leadership perspective, but then, um, from just in general, I would say is just to recognize that you have something to offer. That God has created you uniquely to give back to the body of Christ. And so, if you aren't doing anything to give back to the body of Christ, then the church is missing out. We're missing out on your gifts. Um, and so, practically speaking, what, what does this look like for us in our micro church? I think is a really cool way of what we've done this idea of distributive leadership is that we don't have, there is no leader of our microchurch. Technically that would be me. I'm really a facilitator. I don't lead anything. Usually we have champions of different aspects of everything that we do. So we have a, a communion champion um, and they're all co-champions. So it's, it's Drew and Brian are our communion champions and we have community champions that, their sole purpose is to make sure that we're having fun together and that we're building community with each other. We have commission champions that their purpose is to make sure that we're constantly doing something on mission out in the neighborhood. And those are all different people. We have champions that oversee the kids ministries. And so we have, everyone has a leadership role. Everyone has to do something for the group. Everyone has a role to play. It's not, so it's not like this flat leadership where it's like, Hey, what do we want to do on this? And then everyone, you know, no one wants the same thing. It's like, you have a specific role. We've designated that because we identified giftings in you. We, we see that this is something that you're passionate about. Let's lean into that and let you use that to the benefit of all of us. And let's learn from each other. And I think that's, that's just been a beautiful way I think, because then it's not just one person that's always that we're hearing from other, everyone gets a chance to lead the group in some form or fashion. And I think that's, that's just been a super cool for me to, to be a part of.
2: Yeah, that's really good, Jace. And, you know, as I, I've been kind of functioning in a church, so to speak, before I've gone to Renaissance, and one of the things I've appreciated, kind of like what I said before, is that um, we don't expect each other to be like each other, and that we can just celebrate. So I think this is a great opportunity to share stories, because when you share stories, that really highlights other people's gifting, because sometimes uh, as we live into our gifting it can be empowered uh, some people will will never talk about themselves uh, and won't share those because uh, for very valid reasons, but to get to share those as a community about others. And as you share stories of empowerment, it inspires other people to take action, to do um, different activities. And some of the times I've been inspired the most uh, isn't reading scripture. It's not listening to a sermon. It's like one-on-one hearing someone share their story or in a micro church, like getting to hear like. We took these resources and we did this action or hate like my neighbor was really struggling and I stood outside in the cold for 30 minutes and listened to them. And sometimes those kind of things when we use our gifts and get to share those that can be really, really powerful so share stories of empowerment.
0: That's so awesome. Well, and as you were saying that I was laughing because this is something Jace is really passionate about. You're talking about sharing stories. You know, I'm, I'm speaking on his behalf, but uh, has been fighting for it in Renaissance's DNA that, you know, something that he experienced when he was in young life, that every club, they had somebody else giving a talk and a lot of those weren't great, but sometimes hearing someone else, you know, not everyone even has the gift of communication, but just allowing even others To tell their story, people connect with it, Um, and I think that's why we believe. You know, I think there is something about us finding our sweet spot, and I do think we do serve really well in those places. But even in those things, holding them very loosely, and saying that just because we're really good at it doesn't mean that we need to buck everyone else out of the way. That and just say this is my lane, stay clear of it. You do your thing, and more saying I'm even going to be open-handed in it uh, because God seems to work through. Uh, more people than uh, using using gifts than less, and so you know one of the things we kid around about. You know I used to preach a lot, uh, I've stood on a lot of stages, is decentering me. You know we talk about that. I think we really could say that of all three of us, we're trying to decenter the clergy, uh, so that we're just one one voice on uh, our celebrations. Uh, we have almost a different person speaking every month at those, and so uh, that's really we we believe that from the top down, we want that everywhere, uh, or to the bottom up, maybe even better said. So we want in every capacity, uh, there just to be more people feeling uh, included, uh, rather than than a few. So I think because I think that's even probably something to point out, because I think we again, I think we can get kind of territorial about like, this is what I'm really good at. And I'm just going to do this. And I don't, if someone else isn't as an excellent at it as I am, then they need to get out of the way. Like, no, like, it's good for you to use your gifts. But more than anything, I think God just wants more people to play. And I think when more people get to use gifts, that God's kingdom wins.
1: Well, and and it's using your gift to help others become better at whatever you're gifted in. You know, what we were doing another cohort and, you know, I've got to get one sports example in here metaphor in for you, but um, because that's my background. But I really just love this analogy is that we were talking and they were talking about the analogy of, of, you know, basketball team right? You have someone that's really good at a three-point shooter. You've got someone that's really good at dribbling. You've got the tall guy that's really good at rebounding. Everyone has a specific thing that they're really good at, but that doesn't mean they don't have to do the other things. Like the tall guy still has to be able to dribble, right? The small guy that's shooting still has to know how to pass and catch, you know, rebounds every once in a while. And so it's not that you don't do everything. It's that maybe that you're, there's one thing that you're particularly gifted in, and maybe you can help the other people on your team become better in that area, and that as a team, we can get better at, at everything that we're trying to do so that we can be the best team possible. Sorry for those of you that don't like sports analogies, but um, but I just found that really helpful because like Drew was saying, it's not it's not like oh, you're the you're the shooter, you're the only one that's gonna shoot, I'm the passer. You know, that, that would just be silly for a basketball team. And the same thing is true, it's it's not, you know, we're not living in silos. This is we're living in community with each other. And and how do we not only utilize our gifts? To benefit, but then how do we equip others in the thing that we're gifted in to help them get better at those things too. Um, and, and then I'll throw in a shameless plug. If you don't know what your gifting is or you're calling and you are interested in finding out more, we just finished a cohort actually of taking people through uh, an experience called the calling lab that we've adapted from uh, Tampa underground. And we would love to, you know, it's a four week deal. It's not super long, but it, it does ask a lot of you and it'll help you kind of discern maybe where the Lord has gifted you and called you and, and maybe where you are best suited to serve him. So if you're interested in that and you want to know more about that, reach out to us. We'd be happy. We'll be starting more cohorts here soon. So please let us know.
0: Yeah, that's a great plug. That's part of what we call the dream, create and joy experience. And yeah, part of that is literally uh, you kind of learning uh, a little bit more about who you are and about what, you know, piece you can play uh, in God's kingdom. Well, I think we're kind of coming to the end uh, of our time, Um, but I, I think, yeah, I think we'll just kind of leave it there. And I think what I hope you hear from us more than anything else is we're not sitting and thumbing our nose and saying everyone else has it wrong. I think what we really just want is we deeply all value everyone. And we really so want real movement to happen, not just from a seminary level, not from those that can articulate theology the best, but we really want God's kingdom to be unleashed. And what we're attempting to do, uh, we're kind of an experimental community in some ways at Renaissance. What we're really trying to do is to embody this as imperfectly as we do it. Uh, And micro churches are messy. Attempting to do ministry this way uh, is, is inconvenient and inefficient at times. We color outside the lines all the time, but we deeply desire to see true movement happen because we feel like Uh, When mission gets unleashed, we're all better. One of the things we're recently talking about is we want 100% of people connected to Renaissance to be able to articulate their missional call. And I think that's a great win when it's not just people. I've seen a lot of the series, like I heart my church. And it's like, well, I'm I'm glad you heart your church, but I want you to heart God's kingdom more. And I really want you to, to feel like you have a role that you're not just sitting in a, in a comfortable seat drinking a coffee from the cafe and watching it, but that you have an intricate part that you're playing in seeing God used you to build that kingdom. And so, it's so what we're attempting to do. I actually think the two guys that are on this call with me are much better embodiments of this than me. And uh, yes, you can actually hit them up, Jace at weareenaissance.org. Jacob has an email now, jacob at wearenaissance.org, and uh, actually hit them up. Uh, but yes, Look at our cohorts. Think about jumping in a calling lab. And until next time, we just want to continue to dream, create, enjoy together. Well, that's it for this episode of dream, create, enjoy. We hope you feel challenged and inspired. While we welcome any listeners, this podcast is really for those in the Boston metro area. If that's you and you want to know more about us or want to connect to what's going on, Check us out at
2: WeAreRenaissance.com